Oh, hey, Maureen. Thank God it's Friday, huh? Dan, has I have been some... such a long week. I am so happy to just have the weekend. I think I'm just gonna, uh, I'm just gonna crash out, Maureen. What do you got? What do you got going on this weekend, man? We earned well, it. Really feels like we earned it, it's, doesn't it? It the well, I hate I hate to again be in this position. Um, to it's not Dan. It's 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 Tuesday. No, that, wait, Maureen, no, like the White House egg roll was this week, and that was, like, days ago now. It was yesterday. No. Yeah, Trump just got back from Mar-a-Lago, Dan. He just got back. That's, this does not sound right. Dan, it's, it's Tuesday now. Show's coming out tomorrow. Time is just not moving in the way you think it is. Oh, yeah? Says who? Welcome to Says Who, the podcast that's not a podcast. It's a coping strategy. I'm Maureen Johnson. And I'm Dan Sinker. And Maureen, this is the 20th episode of Says Who. Oh, I know. 20. Two, zero, 20. Was it, how much, time, it doesn't have any meaning anymore. It is, it is completely meaningless. It, it, there is no sense to how a day works. There is no sense to how an hour works anymore. There are moments where it's like, how, what? Did five minutes go by, or did five hours go by? You don't know. We don't know. And this is part of the reason we're finding out how hard it is to process everything that's going on in two-week chunks. That's just not... It's like trying to get a lot in the sandwich. It is a a big sandwich. I like a good big sandwich, Maureen, but it's too big of a sandwich. You can't get it in your mouth. No, no. No. This one's got like seven hamburgers on it and six cheeseburgers, seven pizzas. Yeah, it's one of those ones that like you put you put the bricks on and you leave them you leave it in the fridge for like 3 days. And even still it's it's too big. You can't get it you can't get this in your mouth. But we have a a guest today that I am super excited about. I'm pretty excited too. Yeah. Um, we're going to drill down into something that's played a surprisingly large role in the ongoing waking nightmare that is the Trump presidency, and that is food. We have Helen Rosner, the executive editor of Eater, with us to talk about the strange clues that Trump's food give us into his mindset. But before we get to uh, Helen, Maureen, you want to attempt to dissect uh, these last couple of weeks? I got to put on an oxygen mask first, Dan. Yeah. It's, I mean, the thing to me, and I, I swear, so we, we, for those just tuning in, we have recently switched to a predictable every two week um, schedule instead of a 
relatively random, mostly stress-based production schedule. Um, and keeping up with every two weeks is hard. We're not going to say that every two weeks, I promise. But it does feel like sifting through it a little bit is useful even to just not feel like you are totally losing it and that these things actually happened. Yeah, this all really happened. In case you maybe you work somewhere and there's that one dipshit that's like, things are going great. Trump's great. And you're like, is it me? Uh, am I, am I, did I make all this up? Uh, am I having another one of my moments? No, this all is really happening. Yeah. Yeah. To go to that dipshit's desk and take their stapler. Throw it out the window. That's just a tip from us to you. Or just move it to a different drawer. Yeah, Every just day. Move, move their stuff Every day around. a different drawer. Yeah. Yes, just move everything like an inch to the left, inch to the right. Anyway, we're just we're just throwing little tips out there. So what has happened in the last couple of weeks? Well, America's own Sean Spicer claimed that Hitler didn't even think to using chemical weapons and instead sent Jews to something he referred to as Holocaust centers. You know. In a in a uh, answer that got worse and worse and worse, and then he had to issue a clarification, and then another clarification, and then a third clarification, and then astonishingly a fourth clarification before just standing there on CNN and letting Wolf Blitzer just stare at him and say, what is wrong with you? Yeah. It, it, this was to explain that Assad was worse than Hitler, right? Which is just, like, that's one of those blinking, like, don't start, don't start. Yeah, I thought we all knew this. Yeah, don't start, right? And then they just, like, that's, Maureen, we've talked about this before, about how just moronic these people are, right? And that thing that they do where they can never really say, oh, you know what? I misspoke, right? Like, what I meant was this. Instead, they just have to double and triple and quadruple down. It's like you're in a hole and it's like, okay, well, I just, I'm digging till I hit the other side of the earth, you know? Ah, it's that, that feeling of just like, why, why are you doing, like, stop, just stop talking. Yeah, and he said something like, well, we all make mistakes, but here's the thing that it is important if, you know, let's just also say this is the spokesman for the president of the United States and his words matter. And it is important not to get facts about the Holocaust wrong. That is an incredibly significant thing not to misrepresent. Yeah, I, I everyone makes mistakes. I ordered 500 too many padded envelopes this week. Yeah, I've got padded envelopes. I'm standing next to an enormous box of padded envelopes. I did not forget, mischaracterize or entirely misrepresent huge, important swaths of recent history. It was bad all the way down, Dan. It was like a cake made of poop that no matter how you slice it, it was still a cake made of poop. And there was, you just kept cutting pieces of it saying, here, have another slice. And would you like some poop cream with that? You're like, nope. 
I would like you not to say any more words and leave your job and maybe just get on a small rowboat and just drift out to sea, perhaps, as a starter. Uh. I think that Sean Spicer looks like a man who's been cursed by a wizard and is now not able to die. You know, like he's like, I can't. I, I, I feel like he tries at night, like he, you know, swallows a bunch of poisonous mushrooms and then he just keeps waking up going, I, yeah. I, I can't, I can't die. Like he brains himself with a statue and he still gets up and he's fine. And It's like Groundhog Day for assholes. Yeah. He's got that haunted look in his eyes where I, I believe he wants this to end. He, you know, it can't be a fun job. He, he holds the pressers standing in a tub of water and holding a toaster above him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to drop this at any second. And then he drops it and he's still talking and no one even knows it happened. Two other assholes in the news in the, in the last couple of weeks are good friend Steve Bannon and Trump son-in-law Jared Kushner. The two oh. people that appear to be the real kind of pillars of power within the Trump administration, they're they're fighting, Maureen. Oh, they're not man. getting along at all. Yeah. He's born rich. His entire qualification is that his parents were born rich. And, and he married into rich. Or that he was born rich and he married, he married Trump's daughter. And now he's in charge of, like, everything from the opioid crisis to peace in the Middle East. So, uh, And then there's, meanwhile, Steve Bannon, who's an open, you know— white nationalist uh, you know we we know these these fun guys and so they're having a fight and it looks like steve bannon is losing for now for now it is it's important sometimes to remember just how little time has transpired you know this is this is this episode comes out on april 19th that means we're still a day i think a day away from three months of this presidency yeah. <laughs> and there have already like there's been so much sort of palace intrigue and who's who's on the outs and who's on the ins and and it's it just how is it I, I, th- that was the thing that really hit me when when all of the Bannon uh, Kushner stuff came up where it was just like, Jesus, this has been no time, you know, like I have. I have had three months go by without really ever realizing at all, you know, and and yet here we are like there have been multiple palace coups already and and who knows where it's going. Yeah. And who even knows what's really going on? I mean, we're just getting the kind of external bang flashes of whatever whatever nonsense is going on because for example in this time period also it's been announced that the white house visitor logs will not be released so no one will be able to know who's going in or out along with trump's taxes it is tax day today and they announced yesterday that his brand new taxes are already under audit i feel like they read a book called how to act suspiciously and they're just following it page by page (laughs) like Ooh, look at this chapter. It's like the next step will be creep from pillar to plant. (laughs) Pull a hat over your eyes at all times. Always be standing with a newspaper fully obscuring your face. With two eye hole cuts out. Yeah, just where where a picture should be. (laughs) How to be shady. (laughs) Everything they do is shady. It, It, you know, it was like Dolly Parton would say, 
you know, it costs a lot of money to look this cheap. It seems like these people are like, it costs a lot of money and time to to look this suspicious. And like we are, we want to look like, we want to look like people you would avoid. Uh, you know, like all of these weird kind of sideshow clown folk would be would be fine if it also this last couple of weeks we weren't suddenly like blundering our way toward pure nuclear annihilation. Yeah. Yeah, that has been the sort of big thing. <laughs> big thing? Big quotes big uh thing in the last two weeks is that Trump went from someone saying we shouldn't go into these places and we shouldn't interfere and we shouldn't well he found them. He found the bombs. And uh, so Trump fired 59 Tomahawk cruise missiles at Syria in response to a horrific chemical weapons attack. And then the media went into kind of drooling orgasmic rapture about this. they always do when bombs start falling. Yeah, never, never. It has never been clear how much of a a demonic hard-on this gives some reporters. (laughs) And Trump, because he's three, I mean, we have no evidence aside from a birth certificate that he's not three years old. It's like, oh, you like that? Daddy likes? And then dropped what they keep referring to as the mother of all bombs in Afghanistan. Yeah. Under under the space of a week. And then he spent most of the and weekend. They, they still haven't really explained why, right? Like, they not, it killed... Not- 36 people or like 36 ISIS folk. It costs some like $300 million for the bomb. So that's like 10 million a person. Like what's the like that? That just seemed like just purely a like, oh, we have a what? Oh, awesome. Drop it. Right. I wish it wasn't that simple, but it does really feel like that. Yeah. Like he found, like they had been keeping that room from him, and he was like, "Oh wait, I can this, I can do this stuff." Oh, cool! It was like the other week when they let him sit in a truck. Yeah, and he got a pin that said, "I love trucks." So then he spent most of the weekend tweeting us into some sort of nuclear peril by straight up taunting North Korea, um, and it's all. Dan, I got to tell you, it's all pretty straight up terrifying. I spent yeah. most of the weekend in wide-eyed, rigid with terror. <laughs> like, so we are we are people of uh, about the same age. We both grew up in, uh, it, it, like, we came of age as younger people in the in the Reagan era, where there was that sort of looming sense of. Of nuclear war, like that show, the day after. The day after, I was gonna. Yeah, there was. These... Were you were you allowed to watch the day after? I was not allowed to watch the day. I after. was not allowed to watch the day after. However, I was forced to read. Um, I don't know if it was the day after book or a book that was just like the day after. It was like our the junior novel. <laughs> the it was a novel. It, no, it's not a joke. Like it really was. I forget what it was called. If it wasn't the day after, it was something like that. And it was the. It was a novel. I don't know if it was for kids or not. 
But we all had to read it. It was like fifth grade and we all had to buy a copy and read it. And it was about what happens like after the day the bombs drop and like all of yeah. these people dying. And um, I was tremendously bummed out by it. And I still think about it. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, but it like that was such an ever present thing. And I certainly like this weekend, I had little flashbacks to being eight years old, 10 years old, you know, and just being mm-hmm. like, what was it? Is this all going down? Like, what is uh, it's not a good feeling, Maureen. It's not a good feeling. I, I had to go to a funeral uh, this weekend and I straight up had a conversation there with someone about prepping. Like, quietly off to the side, he was like, here's what you do. This is how many containers of water to get, how many. And I was kind of listening, and then I was like, you know, I'm not going to pay. And then I came, I found myself looking on Pinterest, which I love and used to organize many things, looking on Pinterest for prepper boards. Oh, wow. uh, Yes. Instead of just my, my things about, you know, cooking and bullet journals and book research and history and... And dog stuff, like all the stuff I organize on Pinterest, I it's like water and emergency blankets and your bug out bag. <laughs> I have um, I have for a while been obsessed with Costco has a uh, a section of their website called All Emergency Food. Have you ever seen this? No, but I'm going to go look at it. Oh, Maureen, it is amazing. It is, you can purchase year's supply of canned goods. And they deliver them to you uh, in, in on a pallet that has been wrapped for privacy. I'm looking at it now. Whoa. Whoa. Wow, Thrive Freeze-Dried Ground Beef Food. 31,500 servings, Maureen. Holy shit. For $4,000. Up to 25 years shelf life. Wow. So, okay. I'll be looking at this later. Spinach powder. Because we are talking about food today, so this is definitely something I'll be I'll be making a note of. Um, because now, I don't want you to think, Dan, that this weekend, all of this stuff has been entirely without its funny moments. Because it's been... There have been some there have been some real laughs. Uh like for when when Trump ordered the Syrian strike from Mar-a-Lago and he was hosting Chinese President uh Xi Jinping, he found out about the strike over, quote, the most beautiful piece of chocolate cake you've ever seen. He also doesn't appear to know who is in charge of the country he may be starting a nuclear war oh with. Oh my uh, god, just I today. just saw yeah. that this morning. Oh yes. my god. Yeah. He seems to have conflated the son of longtime uh, North Korean dictator Kim Jong. My birthday buddy. Oh, really? Yes, he and I shared, not same year, but the same day. And every year we would celebrate together. Oh, that's such a great birthday buddy. He's my birthday buddy, King Jong-il, yeah. My birthday buddy is King Charles. Or not King Charles, Prince Charles. Yeah, he wishes. She's still kicking. She's still good. Prince yeah. Charles. Me and him have it. a that's a thing we do. It's a joke. I call yeah, him King you... Charles when we're when we're enjoying oh, birthday pie together. He does. 
Well, no, yeah, my birthday buddy was King John Ale, and I, I miss him to this day. It's always good to have a birthday buddy who believes he can control the weather with his mind. You had sunny birthdays every year. Every year, Dan. Our birthday. Par- I'm not. I'm not kidding. Anything you wanted at Chuck E. Cheese, him and me together. Uh, but this, all of these hilarious things, the cake and all of this, leads us really quite disturbingly and directly to Dan. I, I can barely. I'm smiling so much. I can barely even say it. It's. It's. It's your favorite, Dan. It's time. Not my favorite, Maureen. It's not. It's your favorite. It's not. Oh, God. Welcome to uh, Golf Watch. No. Oh, God. Maureen, he played golf twice, <laughs> three times. A lot this weekend. Again. Again. <laughs> The Washington Post yesterday, Maureen, <laughs> said that he is he has spent one out of every five minutes of his presidency in Palm Beach. It's the Southern White House, Dan. That's a, that term doesn't it have any not, historical meaning at all. It is it's the not Southern the White Southern White House. <laughs> Did you see that photo of like the golf bros and Trump this weekend? I think probably I saw. Uh, I mean, so uh, we've we've talked about this before that like the Instagram feed of the tag Mar-a-Lago is just a gift that keeps on giving. But this week, this weekend, there there was a guy who posted and it's like him and he like he has to be named Chad. Right. And behind him is like another guy named Chad and like a third guy named Chad. And they're all just like, whoa. And sitting right next to them at a table is Donald Trump in like his little golfy outfit. Uh, he just. It would be. Uh, it wouldn't be. But it would be. No, it wouldn't. It would maybe be marginally less irksome if he had not spent so much time over the last eight years railing on Obama on the rare occasions that Obama would go golfing. And it would be possibly, maybe, probably not, but kind of less irksome if he hadn't referenced during the campaign how busy he was going to be and he wouldn't be golfing because he was going to be so busy. (sighs) Well, he's on pace to survive. Also, Maureen, golf is just a fucking stupid sport. That's no, true. It's just a fucking dumb sport. And now we got to learn about it. We got to fucking see it every goddamn weekend. We have to see fucking golf. I don't want to see golf. You're mad I didn't want to see golf before January 20th. I don't want to see golf now. And I especially don't want to see that motherfucker playing golf. <sighs> have you heard about the cart rental? <sighs> yes, I've heard about the cart rental. A lot of money. Thirty-six thousand dollars in golf cart rentals for the fucking Secret Service. Yeah, it's a lot of money in golf golf cart rentals. I hate golf watch, Maureen. It's my least favorite part of this whole show. He is on pace to surpass eight years of Obama's travel spending in one year. Um, has traveled to Mar-a-Lago oh, with- quickly. 
yeah, at this point, it's cost an estimated just over $21 million in his first 80 days as president to spend 21 <laughs> days. Makes me mad. 21 days at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, where he insists on hosting people, uh, you know, heads of other countries and forcing them to eat his food. So it's a good uh, thing that we have someone here to talk about that food. And it's also a good thing that we taped it because I'm going to need a little bit to come down. <laughs> I'm really mad, Maureen. Oh, this is not good. I'm all, I'm all wound up. Maureen, we have talked a lot about food and the Trump presidency. And it felt like we needed to get someone that could talk about food at a whole nother level. Yeah, someone who could assign some meaning to what Trump is eating. Yeah, we just get mad about it. We wanted someone that could help explain it. So we went to Helen Rosner. She is the executive editor of Eater, the national food and restaurant culture publication It is so great. Maureen, I will just interrupt this introduction to say the Eater Guide to Disney World is what got me excited about Disney World to begin with. Uh, She is also the co-host of Eater's weekly interview podcast, The Eater Upsell. And Maureen, she has been amazingly outspoken on Twitter about food for a very long time and about Trump and about Trump and food. So we wanted to talk to her. Food has been a big issue uh, in this election and something that we end up talking about more than we thought we would, um, because this is a a president who owns restaurants and spends a lot of time at his own resorts and is now at this point making other world leaders eat his food. And his food choices and what he's eating has come up just over and over and over again. And this is a bit of a, I'm not sure how great of a comparison this is, but I feel like if Obama was like Julia Child, who was trying to bring like something elevated into daily life and clear and like, here's how we can cook better. And here's ways of doing things. I feel like Donald is a little bit like our Guy Fieri, you know, like just want to see how much I can get into my mouth. You know, that kind of, I mean, (laughs) That's wildly feel- unfair to Guy Fieri. <laughs> yeah, I, I was worried. I was worried that that might be unfair to him. No, I think I think if um, if Obama is our Julia Child, which okay, let's run with that. Sure. Donald Trump is like your sister-in-law's shitty six-year-old nephew. Oh, <laughs> right. Okay. Like and and you know we could probably spend hours talking about Guy Fieri, who I actually think is a a net good for American gastronomic culture. Like, that's my hot take on Guy Fieri. Wow. Though I guess it's cool now to like Guy Fieri, but I was liking Guy Fieri before it was cool. Um, but no, Donald Trump is the absence of culture. And and I think, like, the way he has imposed his, his ex- like, vanishingly narrow palate onto guests at both the actual White House and his bullshit fake white house in florida um is evidence of the fact that he 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 has a a lack of gastronomic interest not not a down market one or a mass market one there is simply nothing there oh okay well we're gonna go right in 
to talk about. I want to. I've collected a few food events of the last year, and I'll set them up, and then I'd really like to get your take on them. So we're going to start very close to the present, and then move a little bit back in time. I'm so excited. So April this this month is the month of chocolate cake. Uh, so Donald Trump hosts the Chinese president. Xi Jinping at Mar-a-Lago. And I'm going to just sort of talk through the menu a little bit. Um, we have a Caesar salad with homemade focaccia croutons and parmesan. Some pan-seared uh, pan Dover sole with champagne sauce, herb roasted potatoes, haricot vert, and thumbelina carrots, or a dry-aged New York strip steak with whipped potatoes and roasted root vegetables and the famous chocolate cake. I, you've probably seen this particular menu because I know that you have an interest in where Trump intersects with politics. Well, so I think this menu overall is classic Trump in a way that um, bugs me, which I guess is something we can get to later. But Donald Trump, as I mentioned, has no palate. He has almost no curiosity about the pleasures of taste and food, which I think maps onto his his general lack of interest in cultural pleasure from other venues. But this whole menu from top to bottom could have been published in the 1940s or the 1960s or the 1990s, and no one would have blinked an eye. There is no chronological indicator for anything on this menu that brings it into the present day. And chocolate cake is totally part of that. I think that like this is something that I, I mean, I would order this exact set of dishes if I were at a classic steakhouse or, you know, one of those like grand throwback restaurants in New York and I were with another person. I would like one of us would have the Dover sole. One of us would have some sort of beef preparation. We would probably end with the classic chocolate cake. It's like the most reductive, pure, crystalline, what is a fine dining menu in America menu. And, and that's, that's, Extraordinary. I mean, it almost verges into the brilliant, how completely <laughs> devoid of of affect or interest or anything this entire menu is. There's nothing there. It's the most unremarkable complement of classic foods possible. And I say classic with scare quotes around it because I mean classic in the sense of just like the same way like a black turtleneck is classic. It's featureless. There is nothing happening on this menu. I mean, when I when I saw it, it was like this is the menu of like a poorly planned high school reunion or something, right? Like it just screams kind of C-rate caterer. Yeah, I mean, this is the menu that all C-rate caterers are sort of referring to the platonic ideal of. I mean, in its best form in the 1950s and 60s, this was the menu you would have at like a place like Lutece, right? You would have, you'd get dressed up in your madman finest and you'd go out for dinner and you would have this sort of French informed, unadventurously palated complement of foods. And the catering and banquet business is not exactly known for its culinary innovation. And so this is exactly what like every catering hall serves. Every 500 person you, wedding you've ever been to has served this yeah. menu. And it's possible to do it incredibly well it's possible to do this menu in a beautiful, brilliant way and for it to be a transcendent meal. That that's that's the the Ur version in the sky that all of these menus are are referencing. But the thing you've got to remember about Mar-a-Lago is that it is a banquet facility. It's not a beautiful restaurant with 
you know, thoughtful cooks who are putting artistry and emotion and seasonality onto the plate. It's a freaking country club. It's a country club banquet kitchen that's churning out meals for 100, 200 people a night. Yeah, when I first saw this, and the font is a whole. I mean, we're gonna get snobby oh, in this one. God, I just, the font. <laughs> I I feel like we should also just sort of put an overarching thing around this: is that we're gonna sound snobby at points, but I feel like by drilling down, we are we are looking for nuggets of information, and so we are drilling. We're trying to we're trying to understand this whole uh, podcast is an exercise in trying to figure out what the fuck is going on. So yeah. And the, the, it's got the font, which we were just sort of saying before we started recording, looks like, you know, like you you have a you're you have a like you have a, a tight budget for your affair, and so you're like, well, and this is like 1992, so like getting something in any font at all is like kind of hard, and so you're like, well, I've got this one font, it looks kind of fancy, will will capitalize some words but not others. Um, I mean, it's definitely a font that came with their copy of Microsoft Word. Right? Yeah, it's like, like it. It's like it's Zap it's, Chancery or something. I mean, it's yeah. it's brutal. It's it's like a knockoff of papyrus. <laughs> it's yeah. It it destroys me a little bit. And the capitalization thing is totally fascinating too. It's this this nod at elegance and formality that is. I mean, it's a it's a not just a poor facsimile of what it's trying to mimic. It's like, I, I'm struggling to even come up with a metaphor. It's like, it doesn't fundamentally understand the role of capitalization in a list of foods. Like, mm. it, it it's like someone taking a plaster cast of a head of lettuce and not understanding that it's actually <laughs> made out of discrete leaves, you know? I mean, that's the thing that I... I mean, that's the thing I come back to on a lot of things with this dude. But like this, this menu does feel like a little kind of microcosm of all of it because, oh, my God, is it just that you don't care? And so the people that you've kind of put into the position to do it are and are totally unqualified for it, that kind of are making the best they can. Or are you so stuck in this state that this is your ideal I think it's both. I, I, I think that it's probably more the latter, right? It's more that he had some kind of moment in his early adulthood and all of his tastes calcified, like the apartment, the wife, the hair, the way his suit is cut, the way that he eats these foods that are just like incredibly boring. I mean, he has not evolved in his tastes ever, really, right? Like, like. I mean, I know it's old hat at this point that like Donald Trump is is a poor man's idea of a rich man. But I think Donald Trump is also like a teenager's idea of an adult. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. So he's he's sort of play acting what is supposed to look fancy, but also like what do people who are big, powerful businessmen do and what do they eat? And like the thing that I think is super fascinating about this menu is that you have this option of, of the Dover Sole and the New York Strip. A thing that I've noticed in my probably obsessively overdone close watching of Donald Trump's eating habits over the last couple of years, and I've also been reading tons, like everything really that has been written on him since the 80s, like a lot of us have been doing, um, he is never not eating beef. 
with with the exception of you know the odd staged kfc photo shoot and i think you know fried <laughs> chicken is his other guilty pleasure but like he literally has never not eaten beef in every meal that he's talking about every menu for every dinner he's put forward every photo that he's you know pictured with a dish in front of him he's eating beef it, it is all he ever wants to eat which is unadventurous to say the least they they made available the menu when um President Xi had uh, President Xi had come to meet with President Obama, and it is a very different menu. It's a more pared down menu, um, but it I think it's a more elegant looking menu. But it also blends American with a, a like a kind of subtle ch- like nod to Chinese cooking, like a or ingredients at the very least, like um, a, a butter poached Maine lobster with spinach and shiitake and leek rice noodle rolls. Um, things that at least kind of I don't I might be simplifying that a little too much, but there's a kind of pa- pairing things with Chinese wines, um, right? Yeah, I mean the dessert in that meal that was had you know lychee sorbet. I mean, sorbet, it's, yeah, there was a a definite effort put into this meal to accommodate the guests and make them feel welcome and seen, which is totally the opposite of what Trump has done with this menu to the point where, I mean, I don't remember who exactly it was on the Trump team who pointed it out, but it was just like, oh, yeah, like, you know, the the president of China is really going to love Trump's mom's meatloaf. And it's like he's forcing who is it was some horrifying statement. It was like, I don't think he's going to want to go back to Chinese food after that meatloaf like this totally dismissive the entire cuisine of this entire country. And like. That is that is who Trump is, right? He's you come to him, you visit him in his office in Trump Tower. He doesn't go to you. You eat his food. He doesn't give a shit about you feeling seen or feeling known. Probably, like Dan, to your point, probably because it doesn't occur to him that that's a thing he could do. But like everything about his menu is, you are in my house. You are in Mara fucking Lago. This particular menu becomes newsworthy when Trump remembers his chocolate cake, talks about hearing about the the um, the bombings over chocolate cake, but later in a different interview cannot remember which country it is he bombed, only that he had chocolate cake. Well, this says a uh, lot about the power of our taste memories. Whoa. <laughs> I meant that somewhat facetiously, but as soon as I said it, I was like, wow, no, that's probably true. Also, probably he only eats chocolate cake. And he's bombed, he's bombed more than one country, but he's only ever eaten one dessert. I know. Who can keep track of which one of the sandy countries we have dropped fire from the sky onto? But I was probably eating chocolate cake at the time. We're just going to get to something that you've already kind of mentioned it, and I'm super excited to talk about. We're going to rewind the clock to now February. Okay. And February is the month of meatloaf, because in February, Donald makes Chris Christie eat the meatloaf. And um, he was, they were at an event together, and everyone else got to order. And then Donald Trump said, "And Chris and I'll have the meatloaf." Like he orders for him, and he's like, "You just got to eat the meatloaf." The lady and I will have talk, the meatloaf. The lady will have the meatloaf. And I've just listened to your Eater Upsell episode on Frank Bruni's Meatloaf Cookbook. So there's a, it turns out that meatloaf became the center point of my conspiracy food wall 
Like when I realized that everything started to go back to the meatloaf and I had so many threads going back to the meatloaf that I felt like I was like really that person that was like, it's all connected to the meatloaf. And you are, you do this episode with Frank Bruni, who has released a cookbook on meatloaf, which has this weirdly political bent to it because it was like a, it's called a meatloaf in every oven. And you start talking about how the old 30 slogans of a chicken in every pot and how like that food symbolism leads into politics and then they've got four political figures in this cookbook and they're so glad that they have two people from other side of the aisle and then they get to the fact they have paul ryan's meatloaf recipe which Mm -hmm. features a deer he shot himself with a bow fatty beef and a packet of instant onion soup mix and um well it's specifically lipton onion soup Mm. mix and specifically progresso brand italian breadcrumbs I don't know why I'm stuck on these details, but I, I, I'm always really fascinated when someone specifies the exact brand name of something that you have to use in your recipe. I was I feel better because I was stuck on them, too, and I thought it would be just me because, like, the Lipton is somehow it's like it's not even Nor. It's Lipton. Nah. Like it's, it's, I mean, I, I thank God it's not Nor. I, I mean, not that I would ever want to be a Paul Ryan apologist, but, you know, Lipton is to Nora what Heinz is to Hunts. Whoa. <laughs> You're blowing my mind. So then we have this Paul Ryan meatloaf recipe pinned on the board. But then you also say in that podcast, did you know there's a video of Donald and Melania making a meatloaf on Martha Stewart? And so I looked oh at that. Oh, my God. And I watched that. And do you want to describe what that's like? Because that's a whole thing. That's like... That video is mind blowing. That video is like, I, 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 I don't. Again, I have been rendered speechless. Like the video is so surreal as an artifact of so many things. Like an artifact of the era in which it was shot. I think. Am I wrong? I think in that video, Martha Stewart makes a joke about how she couldn't make it to Donald and Melania's wedding because she was in jail. Yeah, she does. Which is inc- like, oh my, it's it's the it's. I don't even remember what year that was that was filmed in, but it's the most whatever that year thing is ever. Right? They say like, in the video that they have been married for six years. So it's like Martha Stewart making jokes about going to jail. Donald Trump so uncomfortably making meatloaf. Like clearly, this man has never touched raw meat before in his life. Melania wow. wearing this like glittery jumpsuit, not really what one handles raw meat in. in well, she most won't handle contexts. the raw meat because she puts on latex gloves. Yes, it's just I mean, there's there's so the I want to do a deep reading of this video just like every day of my life. It's mind blowing. So there may and and best of all is that this is not just any meatloaf recipe. It's the same one that's served at Mar-a-Lago which is Donald Trump's mother's meatloaf recipe. Which brings us back to what I was talking about earlier with his taste being calcified. At a very early age, he was just frozen in amber. He was like, all right, this is meatloaf. Or like, not even just this is meatloaf. This is what I eat. Like, this is Donald Trump nutritional input number one. And now this is just like in the system for all eternity. We will never deviate from it. So it's it's interesting you, that you say that because uh, I certainly remember eating meatloaf when I was a kid. Uh, I had never made a meatloaf as an adult. And then 
a year and a half ago or so, uh, we, me and my family went to Disney World, and based on the Eater Guide, actually, we went to the 50s Primetime Cafe, and my son got the meatloaf, and he, he was, he must have been 10 at the time. And he was like, meatloaf is amazing, right? And so we've now made meatloaf a few times since then. And I can't imagine a less Donald Trump thing to make on TV. Like me- making meatloaf is super gross. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's it's a serial killer thing. Yeah. Like it really is. Like you just, every part of it is horrible. And uh, like it's interesting because like, did he know like did he does he actually know until that moment when the camera went live did he know actually what was involved in making meatloaf i can't imagine that he ever did i i but he also seems like the kind of person who like doesn't know what ground beef looks like yeah definitely (laughs) you know like he's he's aware of what a completed burger is and he he clearly understands what a both a raw and a cooked steak look like but he probably was like, what is this strange bowl of red thing? Like, what are we going to do with this? Is this a tomato? I don't know. I mean, he's he's so profoundly out of his element. I'm sure that he has never been in a kitchen other than one that has been set up on a TV set. They talk to him a little bit. So Melania has all these. So Melania is this kind of, she rather... I have to say she gamely goes for it. Like she's been she's pulled out in the middle of this thing and she comes down and she's got all these diamond rings on and she asks for a pair of latex gloves, which they provide to her. But she wears these gloves and she does all the work and he kind of stands there looking smug and he does break an egg and everyone applauds. And uh, that accommodations we make for white men. You know? Yeah. Like, (laughs) oh, you've done such a good job. Like he successfully breaks an egg. Um, it I is bet the amazing... title of the video is even like Donald Trump makes meatloaf, not even Melania. Yeah, it's Donald Trump she makes does meatloaf. She he does broke, all the work. He broke one egg. He broke one freaking egg, literally a metaphor for failure. And she does everything else and he gets the name of the video. Well, I, I personally, and we're kind of scrolling back, and this isn't strictly a November thing, but uh, for the month of November, I'm marking down as Mr. Trump's wedge salad because um, this was a featured item on the Mar-a-Lago Thanksgiving menu. And it is a menu uh, item that has Trump's name attached to it. It's called on the various Trump restaurants menus as Mr. Trump's Wedge Salad. And in a previous episode, I maybe lost my marbles a little bit talking about the Wedge Salad. Just, just, just a touch. I, I remember and, that uh, episode. That was fun. I have been informed that you have a different opinion on the Wedge Salad. I, I adore the Wedge Salad. Oh. Part of why I take... <laughs> I, have I just lost you? Like, we're over. No. You're like, no, it's over now. I just hate that, you. I, that exhale of disgust was amazing, Maureen. <laughs> I'm prepared to listen. Well, you know, taste is taste. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong to dislike it, like, on a flavor and texture basis. But I think, like, I love iceberg lettuce. I love gloppy creamy dressings like i I, it's not an everyday food though sometimes i wish it could be i don't know i i think wedge wedge salads are are terrific i totally adore them and i think like they have a fascinating and weird history and and part of why i suspect mr trump has his wedge salad 
is that of the realm of salads, it's among the most masculine. It's a fork and knife salad, which is not traditional by any measure. I think there's an infinity of debate about what is and isn't a salad and like why are things called salads and why are they not called salads. And I think one thing that almost everybody can agree on is that a salad should not be eaten with a fork and knife. In fact, it's like a well-known sort of Emily Post style rule of etiquette that if you're given a green salad and you have to use your knife to cut a leaf of lettuce, your host or your caterer has done a very poor job. And then we have the wedge salad, which is the steak of salads. You have to eat it with a fork and knife. You have to cut it apart. So right there, like, you know, ontologically, it is violating saladness. And I get that. I respect that it does not occupy the mental space that we consider a salad. And so we could definitely call it something else. But I think regardless of what we call it, what it is, is undeniably quite wonderful. Mm. Maybe not undeniable. Uh, I don't know. This is my issue. This is my issue with the wedge wedge salad is that it it feels like if you were to find someone that had never interacted with a salad before in their life and yet knew the ingredients that would go in a salad and you asked them to sort of think of how that would work, they would be like, I don't know, I guess you cut the lettuce into quarters and put the dressing on top and put some bacon on top of that. So, you know, the my like glib clever answer to this is well, like isn't that how Donald Trump does everything? Like he doesn't actually know what things are supposed to be. He just sort of knows that like you have a Chinese person in the room and you have a North Korean person in the room and something happens. You know? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> which I think leads to my point is that you end up with something like the wedge salad which looks like how people from space would make a salad if they were trying to blend in before they zapped us. But now we get into the actually interesting story of the origin of the wedge salad, which I don't want to like spill too much on because stay tuned for a forthcoming, probably massively overwritten story on this from me in the future. But and you can't make a wedge salad out of anything. Like you can't make a wedge salad out of butter lettuce or red leaf lettuce or arugula. Like you have to make a wedge salad out of a head of iceberg. It is a, a a salad that is dictated by the physical properties of its ingredients. It is fundamentally its form following its function or vice versa. I don't know. Anyway, like some cool design maxim is actually at the philosophical core of the wedge salad because a head of iceberg lettuce is dense. It's It's been bred over the course of a hundred plus years, 120, 130 years, to be an intensely compact form of lettuce that has these central spines on the center of each leaf that curves inward. And they curve, they overcurve at the inside. And that's when you get those cool, like ruffly hearts of the lettuce where you can't really separate it. Like you you chop an iceberg lettuce into chunks, not into pieces, or you shred it using literally like a meat slicer. That's how delis make shredded lettuce. They cut the lettuce on a freaking meat slicer. Like iceberg lettuce is not like other lettuces. So if you've decided you're gonna serve an iceberg lettuce salad and you're a restaurant that cares a little bit about presentation, you can either have literal cubes of iceberg lettuce tossed in whatever dressing, which is gonna be kind of ugly, or you can be like, you know what? A sphere is a pretty nice geometric shape. Let's cut it into wedges, which are also kind of cool looking. and artfully drape it in dressing and toppings. Look, I, I respect what you're saying, but this is a 
I guess this is my hill to die on. Wait, wait. I have one more thing about iceberg lettuce, which is like a super important fact that I have okay. been bursting to tell literally anybody in, ever since I realized it a couple weeks ago. Which That's is, an awesome sentence. So so the iceberg lettuce at Mar-a-Lago is called Mr. Trump's wedge salad or the, the wedge salad right. there is called Mr. Trump's wedge salad. At the Trump Grill in Trump Tower in New York, the wedge salad is not a plain classic wedge salad. It's not a salad. It's an entree salad. It is an iceberg wedge with all of the usual accompaniments plus a sliced steak on top. Ugh. What? Yeah. Come on. Which goes back to what I was saying before. Donald Trump doesn't eat freaking anything unless it has a cow in it. Do you think he's ever eaten an avocado? No. Okay. Just hard. Do you think no. he's ever eaten a? Let's yeah. This will be our final lightning round. Which this do we think game. Trump has eaten? Okay, I love it. Okay. Do you think he's ever eaten a? Do you have one, Dan? Arugula. Yes, but he took it off as soon as he took a bite. I think it was unwitting, and then he was like, "What is this experience in my mouth? I do not enjoy this peppery flavor." Okay. Do you think he's ever eaten a chilled soup? Mm, no. Interesting. No. no, but I do think that he has been at events where they have done, I'm totally making all this up, by the way, but I, I, I do think he's probably been at events where they do those sort of single serve shrimp cocktails, where it's like a shot glass with a giant shrimp in it. And sometimes it's cocktail sauce, but I bet he's been at an event once where the shrimp was resting in a pool of gazpacho and he didn't realize what he was doing. So my answer to both of these questions so far has has been he has been tricked into it. Wow. Do more. I, I love this. All right. Um do you think he has ever eaten a uh I'm trying to think of a dessert he would be unlikely to eat or there would be a giant question mark hovering over. Uh do you think he's ever eaten a cream pie? <laughs> <laughs> Was that is an unsavory question yeah. for some reason. I know. I my I um. So first of all, Maureen, when you said we were going to play this game of asking what he's eaten, I definitely thought one of the things was going to be pussy. I don't know if I'm allowed <laughs> to say that. I was not going to do that because. But I was, I was like, I, I, I'm like, I've been tensing for it. Like, I've been emotionally preparing for one of you to say that. And then, Dan, you're just like, cream pie, which is, I'm sorry. I meant it that was... entirely, uh, <laughs> entirely honestly. I love cream pie. It's delicious, right? Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, he's probably had cream pie. Rhubarb. Sure. Probably also baked into a pie, which he can eat with a fork. So, yeah. I think so. Fava beans. No, no, absolutely not. No, that's no. See, I'm kind of stuck back on the rhubarb thing because I'm like, I feel like he would be suspicious that it was cab or the celery or something. But no, but if it's like a strawberry rhubarb pie, it just it's it, it's not. It's just part of the the scenery. What Egg about plant. a what? A, oh yeah, that's a good one. Oh no, absolutely not. He's what never about had a, a, a non-egg-based breakfast? Oh, I doubt it. I don't think I, he's not really a, a carbs guy, except for potatoes. And um, I don't, I don't think it's really out of an intentional aversion to carbohydrates. But he, uh, he seems like the sort of person who really just 
wants I don't think he likes breakfast. This is this is again total speculation, just completely irresponsible speculation, but he he based on his eating habits, he doesn't really seem like the kind of guy who actually enjoys breakfast food as we eat breakfast in America. I think he would be really really happy to just have a steak for breakfast and and according to various records he he in fact often does have steak and eggs and I would guess he probably doesn't even eat the eggs. He also just seems like he's so mad by 7 a.m. Oh, sure. Oh, he is he is mad and nude. He is oh. totally mad. Does, cucumbers. No, no, no. That's Goat cheese. Never. He oh, doesn't eat dairy. really? He doesn't eat dairy. He doesn't eat dairy? I mean, he, he I don't think, like, intentionally avoids dairy, but I, he's not a, a cheese eater. He do, He prefers hamburgers to cheeseburgers. He's a... Really, like all of what all of this boils down to is Donald Trump would like to eat some beef now. Bison, and whatever you have to put on the table around the beef to get him to have the beef, whatever, fine. Just like give him the freaking hunk of cow. Quail? No, never, never, never quail. Maybe a fried quail. Maybe a fried quail. Like if you're doing like a chicken fried quail, I could see him maybe going for an appetizer tray. But you'd have to eat that with your hands. No, no quail. Definitely no quail. Sushi. Last one. Sushi. Absolutely not. No way. All right. No way. I, I bet he had like one power lunch at like the height of the sushi as novelty late 80s. And he probably only had a cucumber roll and he did not like the experience of having the seaweed. This has been amazing. Amazing. I, I, I honestly could play this game of do we think Trump has eaten for like hours and hours and hours? And I just you're so... Your insights into what his food means have considerably brightened my life. I'm so glad to hear that. What a silver lining to this presidency. Oh, all the foods. So many foods. I could have played... Does Donald Trump eat that or not forever? It's yeah, fascinating. Fe- Maybe we'll just keep playing it with Helen on Twitter and we'll just keep. I just like the idea of just blind sending her just a food. <laughs> Banana. <laughs> Asparagus. Hubbed yogurt. Jerusalem artichokes. Yellow watermelon. Oh, man, I would eat a yellow watermelon right now. Yeah, all watermelon is good. Oh, it is the best. This is watermelon, not... best melon. Easy. Oh, for Easy. sure. For sure. I, I am a big watermelon fan. All other melon is garbage. Uh, during the summer, Dan, I can go through a full, I mean, a full-size watermelon by myself every oh. three days. Oh, my God. Every three days. Yeah. I was thinking you just meant like lop the top off and eat it with a spoon just in one sitting. No, I can't do that. Like a, like I... a soft-boiled egg. Like a oh. giant green oh. soft-boiled egg. Oh, don't say that. Oh, God. Don't say that. Because I don't eat eggs. I think they're gross. <laughs> I can barely think about them without wanting to be sick. So. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, That's I really horrible. hate them. No, I really, really hate them. I like, did not mean to egg trigger you there. No, we were talking so about watermelon. Yeah, I, honestly, it's just I can't, I have had to train myself to be able to be at the same table with people that are eating them because it, they make me so sick. Wow. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, wow. But watermelon, yeah. No, I just... I I don't, I just don't, I just don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, but watermelon, 
thumbs up. This is not about food, Dan. It's just something I saw, and it excites me that、uh, Trump is going to go to England later this year to see your friend King Charles, and he is insisting that the he gets to ride in the Queen's royal carriage.、Um, Obama chose not to travel in the carriage when he visited, and he made the trip in a an armored limousine. But Donald has to ride in the carriage. Gotta have、trucks. your carriage. He loves trucks. Gotta have your golden、cake. carriage. It's all so literal. Everything is so literal. That's the thing that's so maddening. There's、that's、no, what,、uh, there's no subtext. There's no. It's just all exactly what it seems to be. Just give me a, just give me a tiny bit of subtext. That's all I want. So I just want subtlety. Some level like, of subtlety. We are, we are shady. We are, we're despicable. We are racist. We are dumb. It's all just straight up out there. When Trump says things like "I love the uneducated," <laughs> he means it. Does mean it. <sighs> well, we've had a last、uh, just just a couple little pieces of、um, administration that are fun. I have started two new accounts for us on Pinterest and Instagram at Says Who Podcast. Where I will be as soon as I can get my phone to stop bouncing me off Instagram, be posting some photos, and Pinterest. I'll be collecting up some links and photos of things, so you'll be able to see things like the photo of the menu that we talked about. So, sort of, you know, we'll have a food corner with Dole Whip recipes and some art.、Mm. Yeah, some episode related、uh, photos and links. I love a I love a Pinterest board. And I'm really. You do、um, love a Pinterest I board. I do. I like to organize things. It makes me really happy. And maybe there we can collect up our suggestions for our billboard for Paul Ryan, which we're still. We're still looking into. I will still, say the billboard advertising company has gone quiet on me, Maureen. But I firmly believe that we will be. We'll get through. We will to them. be talking once again. Me and my friendly billboard saleswoman. Uh, we will be talking sometime soon, and actually getting some prices on what it would cost to rent a billboard outside the grocery store that Paul Ryan shops at. And please, 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 if you have photos of, we love your photos of Dole Whip. We really, really love them.、Oh, they at, make me so happy every time、so、I see one. So many of you have made Dole Whip, and we're so happy. And if you make a conspiracy wall at home, please, there is nothing I want to see more. <laughs> nothing. No wall too big, no wall too small. We'll take some all. That's right. And I just wanted to throw out,、um, just because I feel like it's important. There are some podcasts out there that are working really hard to give real, deep down, drilled down, good information.、Um, they're all by Crooked Media, which is a new company, which is run by a bunch of guys who used to work for Obama in the White House. And they have created a a kind of series of podcasts that are all really deeply amazing.、Uh, Pod Save America, which is about stuff that's going on here in America. There's Pod Save the World, in which、um, a, a former foreign policy advisor, Tommy Vitor, also talks to like amazing guests about all these foreign policy things that are going on with Trump. And my personal favorite of the bunch is Love It or Leave It with John Lovett, which is very funny. 
in which he makes you laugh about the horrific things that are going on. And our personal friend, Anna Marie Cox, has one called With Friends Like These, in which she kind of reaches across the aisle to talk to some people that have a kind of opposing viewpoints to try to get a sense of what is actually going on in America. And they, there's not any kind of sponsorship. We're not sponsored. Blue Apron has yet to call us. We're the last pod. You know, we don't have sponsors. I'm, I'm still sleeping on an eight-year-old mattress, Maureen. Yeah, there's Blue Apron. I've got I, no mattress in a box showing up at my house. I feel like I am just, as I've said, about one day away from waking up and finding a Blue Apron stuck to my door with a knife, and it just says, join or die. Like, I, Blue Apron pursues me relentlessly, so they'll never catch me alive. I, I am impressed that you were able to consume that much uh, media. I, on the other hand, Maureen, I am reading yet another book about the Haunted Mansion. <laughs> that's that's what I've been doing most nights. And I've been watching professional wrestling. That's about as far as my brain can go once I've like shut down Twitter or hopefully shut down Twitter and closed the various news sites that I have up. That's as that's as that's as far as I can get. I'm also reading a book right now about the Symbionese Liberation Army and the kidnapping of Patty Hearst. Possibly because they they are. I love reading about the Symbionese Liberation Army because they are the dumbest of the. Like I love that revolutionary period, but they are the dumbest. And maybe I'm just <laughs> enjoying reading about just really, really incompetent. So I'm into the revolutionaries, but these were the most incompetent of the revolutionaries. Um. Uh, we have our hobbies. I still play Stardew do. Valley. <laughs> I was I we really need to make that because you had to swear off Stardew Valley while you finished your book, right? Yeah, I, I was I got it uh, back. We need to have a we need to have a Maureen's Valley report at some point. I have so many thoughts. Like things like you just can't do. Like you can't pickle mayonnaise. You just can't do it. That's not a that's not po- yeah, that is correct. Yep. Or another thing is you can't milk a chicken. I've no. tried. You can't feed him diamonds. I got a lot of thoughts about Stardew Valley. If anyone wants to talk to me about them, contact us. Indeed. We're, we're on Twitter, at Says Who Podcast. Also Facebook. At slash Says Who Podcast. Pinterest, Says Who Podcast. Instagram, at Says Who Podcast. It's all Says Who Podcast. You can drop an email to hey, that's H-E-Y, at sayswhopodcast.com. And if you are listening to this, if it is helping, or you are just enjoying it and it's not helping, or whatever, uh, leave a review on iTunes. It super helps. Give us some stars, too. That is always, always helpful as well. Yeah, it's one of those things that like genuinely matters uh, to try to like people to see it. You know, it's just nice. And it, it's just a nice thing. For, it's just a nice thing to do. You don't have to. Like, don't. I don't feel put like asking for iTunes reviews is the closest thing to a mattress in a box that we have for this being sort of a normal podcast. Yeah, this is like a, it, that's the, you know, it's we are still two people. I am crouched. I've got my knee up in my face, basically, in my closet. So, you want to help a weirdo in a closet and a, and somebody in a basement? Leave us a review. Thank you so much to Darth at Darth on Twitter for our beautiful Says Who logo. And thank you to Ted Leo 
uh, who joined us on our last episode for our theme music. Thanks also to Josh Cantor, who gives us organ music whenever we need it. And he also plays organ for the Boston Red Sox, so he is suddenly super busy again because it's baseball season. And you can follow this week's amazing guest, Helen Rosner, on Twitter at Hells, which is H-E-L-S, one L. Our next episode, Maureen, we will be out and inside your ears on May 3rd. How is it May? How is May? That's I know, so... right? Oof. Time is unforgiving in its forward march. It really is. That was, that was heavy. <laughs> That's me, Maureen. I'm, I'm, I'm both literally and figuratively happy. From my basement in Chicago, I'm Dan Sinker. From my closet in New York, I remain Maureen Johnson. And that is the most beautiful piece of chocolate cake I've ever seen. I don't like cake. I don't like what? cake at all. No, I don't like cake. I like pie. I know you like pie, but I didn't know there was such a thing as not liking cake. Cake's just, it's, a, it's cake. It's the point. Get a pie. Do something with your life. I don't think I've ever disagreed with you before. This cake is so boring. What's the point of cake? In a world where you could have pie, why would you have cake?